So we're continuing in our studies of Hebrews chapter 12 this morning. And um, I'll tell you the whole story a bit later, but I thought I was doing verses 12 to 17, but I'm not. It will be revealed. But I'm going to be reading verses 12 to 17 of Hebrews chapter 12. And so if you could turn there now, let's read together. I'll be reading from the uh, ESV. Therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint but rather be healed. Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled, that no one is sexually immoral or unholy like Esau, who sold his birthright for a single meal. For you know that afterward, when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no chance to repent, though he sought it. With tears. Now, if you just glance back in your Bible, last time we met around this passage, you'll remember that we focused our attention and our main focus of the whole book of Hebrews is on who? On Jesus Christ. And therefore, he says in verse 12, look, you're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses who walked the walk as well, and they've been looking to Jesus Christ. Now, you look to Jesus too. He's trying to inspire them because he's got vacillating Christians here. People who say that they believe, but now they're wanting to go back to the law again. Instead of just fixing their eyes on Jesus Christ as the only source of life. And so he says to them, don't grow weary, verses 3 to, to 7. Don't, don't grow weary. Carry on working. You are going to get hostility against you. But push on. Push through. You haven't yet resisted to the point of drawing blood, have you? Shedding blood on. And then he brought up an interesting thing. He said, sometimes when we're going through hard stuff in our Christian lives, it's because God has got his hand on us for two reasons. One, to discipline us because we've gone off the road and he would discipline the child he loves, right? If he didn't love us, he wouldn't discipline us. And then the other reason why sometimes things go hard is because God is shaping us. He's training us to be his heirs. And so that's why we sometimes go through these hard things. But it's not easy, and that's where we're at today. It's not easy. And sometimes we go through life and we're starting to feel a bit jaded. And so you might be tired today. I'll give you a little secret that's open now. Every time we preach about a passage, guess what's happening to us in the week? And I, every one of these guys will tell you that. God is working on us with whatever is happening here. And this week was one where I just felt overwhelmed. You feel tired of serving. Tired or even of worship. And I'd been asked to help sing at tonight's thing and here I am tired of worship. Tired of being a Christian and trying to point others in the right direction. And as a parent you might be tired of 
trying to educate your kids against the whole push that's coming back from the world. Wokeism, gender bias. It's all coming on us from every angle. You might even be tired of just being different in this world, being pushed aside by society. You might have been tired of that spiritual struggle that you have to go through daily. Trying to just keep your prayer life going. Now, you might have been tired of Jesus. And so your knees start to get weak and your arms droop. And the threat's not that you'll charge off somewhere else and go and worship there. You don't have enough spiritual energy to charge anywhere. You see, this book of Hebrews is written for you and I when we go through those patches. And as we saw last time, he said the antidote is for this weariness of the soul and for this faint-heartedness is fix your eyes on Christ again. And it doesn't sound real. It's like I must do something else. I've got to plug in something or take something or pop a few more pills or energy tablets. But no, fix your eyes on Jesus Christ, says God's wisdom. And all these other things come right. And today we're carrying on with that. So how do I do that? You see, it's not just enough to know how I'm to live. Here's the secret. I've got lots of secrets exposed today. It's not enough to just know how to live. If you want to live a holy life, just live what you know. That's the hardest thing. I know all this stuff. God has been teaching us through his word for how many years at this church? But how much of that has become foot and hand knowledge as I live every day? That's the hardest bit. It's translating from the head to life. And so that's what we're looking at today. And it's all about holiness before God. Why should we be holy? Why should we be holy? Because that's what Christians do. No. Why should we be holy? Because God has commanded us. Leviticus 11 verse 45 says, Be holy because I am holy. There's a command. Command form. There's no getting out here. We are to be holy. But I'm tired. How do we do this? How do we live what we know? Well, there's three more commands. There's lots of commands here. And You'd think that commands are going to make us tired. They're not, actually. They're like energy shots. So let's look at it. Three exhortations. What are they? There's continue in holiness, verses 12 to 13. There's be diligent in your holiness, verse 14. And then there's be vigilant in your holiness, verses 15 to 17. I thought that's where we were tracking today, but we're not. As I was prepping this morning, and this doesn't often happen like this, early morning this morning, as I was prepping, I got to the end of this first point, continue in your holiness, verses 12 and 13. And I was getting ready to go into verse 14, and I couldn't. I, I haven't experienced this much before. I just couldn't go ahead. And I said, Lord, what are you doing? I haven't got time. I've got to get through the rest of this this morning. He wouldn't allow me to go through. So we're in verses 12 and 13 today. I don't want to go there the rest of the way. And there's a reason for it. When the Lord directs us, we must be sensitive to what His Spirit is doing. Don't try and push through. 
He's teaching me that lesson because he wants to revive my soul. And so let's look at what he says. He says, continue in your holiness, verses 12 to 13. Let's, let's read what it says. It says, therefore, lift your drooping hands. When it says hands, it means arms too, all right? Because they're kind of attached. <laughs> lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. Lift your drooping arms. Guess what metaphor we're back in? The athlete. See the athlete, remember we've been in that picture from verse 12? The athlete trying to run the race and is getting tired, or she's getting tired. And as they get tired, the first thing that starts to go, and I remember as an athlete being trained for 100 meter sprints, is your arms start not pumping as they should be going. All right, And there's a lot connected to the arms. There's a whole body motion that's connected and the balance of the body that's connected to the arms moving properly. There's loss of coordination that goes when you're not moving your arms properly. There's the lack of drive, lack of rhythm. And your arms are no longer pulling you through that stride as you're running. Because that's what they're there for. Balance. The first thing that starts to go when the athlete gets tired is those arms start going down. And the next thing that's affected? The knees. Because when you're no longer in balance, there's more imbalance on your knees. It's got to take more. And so with a lot of this fatigue focused in on your knees now, your knees start to wobble. You've seen those pictures of those athletes who run those endurance races, and when they get to that finishing line, they hardly can get over there. The people have to kind of get alongside them. Your knees start to wobble. The Bible says strengthen those weak knees. Athletes will say you've got to focus your mind on the goal of what you're about. When you're in that race and your, knee, your arms are weak and your knees are starting to wobble, you've got to Focus in on that goal. They call it breaking through the wall. We were taught this as athletes. Break through the wall of that weakness. And then when you get out the other side, it's a mind thing there. Then you carry on again. Break through the wall. Now be careful with that application. You see, when you and I start to feel spiritually fatigued, when we've got weak arms and wobbling knees, the only way to break through this wall of the spiritual battle is not through the power of positive thinking. You'll hear many evangelists and people on, the, on big TV shows saying, power of positive thinking. I'm not going to mention names of famous preachers here. Male and female. It's not about positive thinking. It's about where I look. It's about fixing your eyes on Jesus, 12 verse 2. The author, the one who started the faith in me, and the perfecter of my faith. When I'm feeling weak, he's the one. He started in me. He will finish the work in me. I need to fix my eyes on him again. I don't know where you are in life today. Maybe you are feeling tired and you're just listless in your life. Guess where your eyes are? They're no longer on the Lord. Bring them back to Jesus Christ. The writer to Hebrews is not just sucking this picture out of his head, or his thumb rather, sorry, fix my metaphors. He's actually referring to Isaiah 35, the passage we read earlier. And we quoted those verses. You see, faithful Israel had been through a lot. They'd been through evil kings, they'd been through false prophets, they'd been through 
disobedient and stubborn fellow Israelites. They had powerful enemies coming in against them all the time with seemingly no prospect of ever living in their own land in peace. And many of them were asking themselves, when is this going to end? I can't carry on anymore. And they were discouraged, despondent, and ready to give up. And so the prophet reminds them of this coming kingdom. Look at what he says. I'm going to go back there. Isaiah 35. Look at what he says. This coming kingdom. The wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom like the crocus. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing. It, the word shall means what? It's not like that now. The flowers are dead, everything's dry, nothing's green. But he says it will be green. The flowers will blossom. The desert will blossom. Look to the land that's to come. And then he says he doesn't leave it at that. He carries on in verses 3 to 4. What does he say? Now, here's our verse. Well, it's in Isaiah. He says, strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who have an anxious heart, be strong. Fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with a recompense of God. He will come and save you. There it is. Look to the land that's to come, and that very thing will energize you. But don't keep it to yourself. Look at your fellow athletes around you. Help them. Let's all get through this race. We are to encourage each other by lifting our eyes and then helping each other to lift our arms and strengthen our knees. Here's my third secret exposed today. If you're feeling weak, washed out, no longer able to carry on, don't concentrate on strengthening your own arms and knees, but help to strengthen another believer's. You see, the surest way of being encouraged yourself and strengthened in your own weakness is to give encouragement to someone else. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 25, listen to what it says. Don't neglect meeting together. It's not about who's coming to church so that we can tick off on our books who've been here. It's God's wisdom to say, if you want to stay encouraged in your Christian life, then don't give up meeting together. Be regular in meeting with God's people, as is the habit of some to give up, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. It's all tying together here. We are to get together here to encourage each other to, so that our arms and knees work properly so that we can together reach that day when Christ reappears. Look around you. These are your fellow athletes. Some of us look more athletic than others. but <laughs> These are your fellow athletes. We are to help each other in this race. Then he says... Make straight paths for your feet. What's this all about? We're back in the, in the metaphor of athletics. In the Greek world, stay in your own lane in the race. Now, the Western world didn't invent lanes. The Greeks did. Because people were pushing and shoving. So they invented lanes. Stay in your lane and run the race the best you can. And here it is saying, make straight paths for your feet. 
literally for the foot of you. As you're running, stay in your lane. Don't wander off. Why? Because there's two, race, there's two reasons. Firstly, you're going to get disqualified from the race. And secondly, you're going to get in someone else's way. What is it that causes us to be disqualified? The Bible says it's one thing. Sin. Evil causes us to wander out of the path set for us. Proverbs 4 verse 25 to 27 says this. It tells us how we to run in our lane. Listen to this. We just have to put this into practice. Now let your eyes look directly ahead and let your gaze be fixed straight in front of you. Fixed on who, by the way? Jesus Christ. Watch the path of your feet and all your ways will be established. Do not turn to the right or to the left. Turn your foot from evil. You see, that's what affects our races. I repeat that. Let your eyes look directly ahead and let your gaze be fixed straight in front of you. Watch the path of your feet and all your ways will be established. Do not turn to the right or to the left. Turn your foot from evil. My friend, if you and I are feeling weak, maybe we should also examine our lives to see if there's sin that's caused us to wander out of our lane and it's affecting our walk before. And that's not all. There's a second part to this, I said, remember? You're getting in someone else's way. Who is there that's following you as an example in life, who's watching your life, and they see you wander out, but you don't do anything about it? Your kids? Our kids know us. They live with us in our homes. Your colleagues? You see, we can create a stumbling block for someone else who's trying to run their race. And I'm just talking about believers now. Another believer's watching my life. I won't even know who's watching me. And they see you stumbling into their lane and doing nothing about it. And it causes them to stumble. Why? Because they watch you as an example. And if you are not fixing anything, why should they? And it becomes a stumbling block. And then we get to the unbeliever who's watching us. And believe me, they watch us. They, f they fly us when our flags aren't. They phone me when my flag's not up. They watch us. And if they see you erring, if you're the one that's known in town as the one who's got the short temper, if you're the one who's a believer in town and they know you don't pay your bills on time, I'm in a business, I know how it works. If you're the one that's always speeding and the speed cop knows you by name. It causes a stumbling block for their walks. And when they look at your life and mine, they say, well, if they say they're a Christian and they're not even following Jesus like they should, where's the message? I can be better than that. There's no gospel anymore. There's a third part here, and that's verses 13b. Just look at that. He says, Make straight paths for your feet, so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. 
You see, there's two ways to approach life as we carry on throughout race. You can either learn to run with disjointed joints and just have pain all the time, or you can come for healing. And a disjointed joint gets worse and worse until you can't run anymore. That's what life teaches me in my knees. We need to have them healed. You see, we can live with sin in our lives and think we're going to get away with it, but sin is a cancer in us. It will grow and grow and grow. And after a while, you will not even be crawling anymore. You will be lying flat in your face. And it won't be in worship. It will be with pain and immobility. We are to run the race, not crawl the race. And so if we want to live with these disjointed joints, so be it on us. But we will pay the consequence and the price. The Lord says, rather... Come for healing. I can heal that disjointed joint. I can make you run fully in full strength again. Fix your eyes on Jesus Christ. Lift your drooping arms. Have your knees strengthened by who? By Jesus Christ. And then you'll be able to run the race. But deal with sin in your life. Others are watching you. They're coming behind. Now, I wanted to carry on there this morning, and the Lord said, no, that's it. I'll tell you why in a minute. What do we do with these two verses? I just want to summarize very quickly. Firstly, this, holiness is not an optional extra. If you're in the Christian race, holiness is not an optional extra. Extra. You can't decide, I don't want to live like a Christian. If you're a believer, you will want to live a holy life. If you don't want to live a holy life, it's one of two reasons. There's sin in your life or you're not a believer. We need to go back to the basics. The Lord said, be holy because I am holy. It's a command. No out clauses here. Secondly, there's a good old song the Andrews sisters used to sing, straighten up and fly right. Well, I want to just quote from them without the singing. Straighten up and, straighten up and walk right. Straighten up and walk right. You see this reminder from Proverbs. Let your eyes look directly ahead. Let your gaze be fixed straight in front of you. Straighten up and then walk right. Watch the path of your feet, and all, the, all your ways will be established by the Lord. They will be fixed firm, is the word for established. doesn't matter what's happening to you now. It may all be uncertain, but if you fix your foot before the Lord, He will establish the path of your feet for you. He will do it. You can't see it now. He will do it. It's not up to you. It's about he is the God who knows everything. Do not turn. Here's the practical application for you and I. Do not turn to the right or to the left. Turn your foot from evil. You know, it's those daily little sins which creep up on us. We think, ah, those ones grow. Deal with them. Otherwise, you'll be wandering out of your lane. And then, third point of application, others who are following will be influenced. And so the call to us today is to make a safe path for our children. 
by the example we set for them. Let's not leave boulders in the way of the example that we leave for our kids because they will see that and they will fall over those boulders and very soon they'll be off the path. Let's make straight paths for our feet. Clear the boulders for those coming behind us by the examples we set, by dealing with the sin, by having it forgiven so that we can walk straight ahead of us. Eyes fixed on Jesus Christ and say to those behind us, come with me. Follow me as I follow Christ. I wanted to carry on this morning, but the Lord said no. There are those in this fellowship who are struggling. There are those hurting. And I know because I've been there this week. And we're going to stop today. When we pray, we know that you are the one who hears our prayers. And that you answer our prayers. And that even as we pray for each other, you help to strengthen us. So that together we can walk the walk that you've set before us. Lord, help us all in this week to fix our eyes on Jesus Christ. Do that in practice. By bringing our lives before you and removing the stumbling blocks of sin. So that you can use us in our families, in our communities. For your sake we pray. Amen.